Mark your calendar. The 2022 DSO Connect Retreat will be June 24th through 26th in sunny Phoenix, Arizona. Join us for an inspiring weekend full of practical content that will help you take your studio to the next level. And you'll make lifelong connections with fellow studio owners. Spots are extremely limited to keep this event intimate, so go to dancestudioownerconnect.com and click on the Retreat 2022 tab to sign up today. In the meantime, grab your copy of the 2021 Retreat Replay. Topics for this retreat include your studio dashboard using the five pillars of your business, budgeting, ways to wow your customers, killer sales process, early childhood classroom ideas, middle and high school classroom ideas, positive attitudes and magical words, transitioning to the helm, and how to set goals and actually follow through. Go to dancestudioownerconnect.com and click on the Retreat Replay tab to grab your copy for just $1.99. And don't forget to sign up for the 2022 Retreat, June 24th through 26th in Phoenix, Arizona. We can't wait to see you there. Hello and welcome to the DSO Connect podcast. I'm Casey. And I'm Robin. How's it going? What's happening, Robin? Oh, you know, just doing my Florida thing. It's oh, nice. Sounds yeah. lovely. Just trying to do my work here and um, try to get trying to get ahead of some some work. It seems like this is a busy season because we've got um, summer camps to plan, and we've got some you know a March performance to plan, and we've got new enrollments coming in, and mm-hmm. it's just it's definitely not a slow season. And no. we've got some company field trips coming up, and just like all this stuff to plan. And so I'm, but I, I like this routine. Wally and I get up early, or then we do when it's cold and dark in Pennsylvania. I, I struggle to get up in the morning in Pennsylvania when it's dark and cold, but here, you know, it's much easier to leap out of bed. And for me early is seven 30. So I'm up at seven 30 and then, you know, I do a little work and then we go to the gym together. Cause we only have one car and then we like maybe run an errand or whatever. And then I work in the afternoons and then he putzes around here and then we have dinner together and then hang on the lanai and get in the hot tub and whatever, and then do it over again. <laughs> oh, that sounds delightful. Yeah. And, and it's nice to be able to work without a lot of interruptions. I don't yeah. know. There's just like, we don't know anybody here really. And there's like, you know, once a week we'll, we'll go have a fun day. So like yesterday we went to the beach and walked around and went to some restaurants and stuff. So, um, you know, but other than that, it's like, get the work done, go to the gym, try to eat right, just do all the right things. Oh, I got to FaceTime with Genevieve yesterday. So oh, was- hallelujah. Yay. How's Genevieve? She's super cute. Um, she, I, I was really worried that she was going to forget about me because oh, no. so little, you know, I'm like me being away for three months is like, I don't know, like one quarter of her life or one. Fifth yeah, of that's life. true. Yeah. So um, we've been FaceTiming every Thursday and And um, once she gets into it, which only takes a minute or two, she like walks around her little house and shows me all her things. And and, um, she's got a little kitchen set. So she was showing me her kitchen set and she's just stinking cute. I just want to reach in and like squeeze her. (laughs) I would like to skip the whole having children part and just go straight to being a grandparent. Can I do that? (laughs) I'm sure you can find little children that want to just who, you know, who can benefit from, yeah, like a big brother, big sister thing, but like a grandparent relationship. Yeah. See, there you go. That would be, yeah. Why can't come up with that? Or you just need to find it. That's amazing. Or like, or like parents who don't have a good relationship with their own parents and need a grandparent figure in their child's lives. Or if maybe the grandparents have passed away. Or that. Yeah, absolutely. I can be, I can be the new 34 year old grandma. Oh my God. That's brilliant. What an idea. (laughs) You're going to make it happen. Add it to your list of, of projects that you have. There we go. Yes. I have, I have decided like as a person without children and for, you know, for the foreseeable future, I will not be having any children. Um, but I have, I have like 
decided that I want to be that cool aunt in all of my friends, kids lives, you know, like I want to be involved in, I have so many great memories of like my parents' friends who didn't have kids were like the coolest people to me, you know? And so I want to be that for my friends' kids. That's great. You should. Yeah. 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 So I just, I want to be like, I want them to know me. I want to know them. I want to be involved in their lives. And, you know, just because I don't have kids doesn't mean that I hate children. Obviously I work with kids all day, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So. All right. What are we going to talk about? We are going to talk about a very interesting and close to home for me topic is how to balance mental health wellness with owning a business, which if you struggle with mental health issues, you know that it's something that's very, very difficult to do. Um, I have been on a mental health journey for most of my life, probably, you know, like since I was a child, I have a multitude of diagnoses. um, And it's definitely something that has been quite a hurdle for me as a business owner. But I also think that owning a business is good for my mental health because I am able to set my own hours. I'm able to um, catch up on work when I have, you know, been having some, some down days. I can catch up on things after that. And like, there's no supervisor or boss or manager that's like, Hey, you didn't work today. Like, what is that about? You know? So I can create my own schedule that kind of works around my mental health wellness. Um, and that's, I think really beneficial. And, um, I am, I'm, I'm completely convinced that I am ruined for employeehood. <laughs> well, also, ever. I'm just projecting, but perhaps another reason that um, being a business owner works well for you is because you're, you're not going to walk away from your business. Like I, I'm not right. talking about you in particular, but I can imagine that if a person was having up days, down days, all over the place days and struggling, and like you have that boss breathing down your neck, it could be very easy to be like, you know, I'm, I'm I quit this job. Right. And then to just jump from job to job or be without employment for a period. But with your business, it's like, all right, yesterday was a rough day. Today we're back on the saddle and I'm not quitting this project. I'm not quitting this business. It's my business. I just have to get back on the, on the horse again. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's pretty much exactly how it is. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, um, so full transparency, um, I have, uh, resist, uh, treatment resistant depression. Um, I have ADHD, I have PTSD, um, and generalized anxiety as well. So, um, that's what, I, that's what I'm dealing with. Um, it's, it's quite a lot and I am on a, a regimen of meds that have been really helpful for me. Um, and I see a therapist every other week just virtually, but it's still very helpful. Um, so my first bit of advice, if you are struggling with mental health issues is to seek treatment. Um, I know that as a self-employed person, insurance is, often a cluster (laughs) and, you know, difficult to deal with. And, um, but, but my biggest thing is like, you deserve stability and you deserve happiness and you deserve wellness. And no matter how poorly you think of yourself, all of those things are true. Mm -hmm. So seeking out treatment is really important. Um, whether that means just therapy or whether that means medication, um, is up to you, but I am, you know, I strongly believe that I would not still be here if it weren't for my medications. Um, yeah. So what does this actually look like, um, from the day to day, like paint us a picture of, you know, like some days and honestly, from my, I've known Casey since she was four, three or four years old. So yeah, three. I did not know that you were suffering with any type of um, depression or anything when you were my student. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you knew it at the time or what, but I, I, I just didn't know. Mm-hmm. And now that we work together in DSO Connect, you know, certainly there are times where it's like, where's Casey? 
and <laughs> like we're on a meeting where's Casey and it's okay like we're all like okay we'll just catch her up when she when she's here <laughs> and right. um as your co-workers and your friends you know we have kind of learned to adapt to that you know I it's not ideal you know sometimes right. there are it's like where's Casey? And then like, <laughs> okay. And then, and then you type in the chat, you're like, Oh my God, I just woke up. I'm so sorry. And we're just like smiley face. And, you know, but then, you know, so it does, it doesn't break us down, but it is right. definitely something that we, you know, see happening over here behind a wall. And mm-hmm. we don't really know what that looks like. Um, do you want to share with us like what that could look like? What does a good day look like? And what oh, yeah. and thing that I see from on the other side of the wall is some days like Casey is doing so many things. Like Casey mm-hmm. just wrote a summary of everything we ever talked about ever. And, and Casey made a Google file and Casey did this and it made 700 different, you know, events in the, in the group. And um, so I'm like, oh, Casey's having a good day. <laughs> but then there are days where it's like, where's Casey? So yeah. t- talk to us about what is happening behind the curtain on both of those days. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, routine is something that is really challenging to maintain as a person with mental health issues. Um, you know, like you were talking about your daily routine in Florida, you wake up at seven 30, you do some work, you go to the gym, you know, all these things that are just like, it's just what you do. Um, for me, the hardest part of my day is getting out of bed. Um, I, that is when like my depression is at its worst. Um, because sleep is like my favorite coping mechanism. (laughs) If you are, if you have thoughts and feelings that are hard to deal with, you know, some people mask it with drugs or alcohol. I mask it with sleep. So if I wake up and have feelings that, or thoughts that I don't want to deal with, or that are too heavy or that are too depressing or whatever, I will just go back to sleep. Um, and it's, it's not like, it doesn't feel like a choice at the time. Like I know that I'm making that choice to go back to sleep when my alarm goes off at eight or eight thirty or whatever it is. Um, but I, it feels like the only option at the time. It feels like getting out of bed is an insurmountable task or project, or, you know, it's like climbing Everest. Like it feels just completely impossible. Um, and so I, I, I just go back to sleep and some days I, um, I truly sleep all day, um, on the weekends, uh, the past few weeks, I have slept on a Saturday until 6 PM. because I have, uh, it's a day that I have nothing else going on and my body and my brain need a reset. And, um, obviously it's not ideal because I have things that I want to do on the weekends. Um, and I'm definitely working towards not sleeping until 6 PM, but sometimes it's just what I need and not feeling guilty about it is, is also a challenge because, you know, there's like this whole stigma against laziness and it, it has taken me a long time to, to realize it and acknowledge that it's not laziness, it's illness. And so I have two um, questions. Yeah. One is when you're in that moment where your alarm goes off at eight 30 and you make a choice to go back to sleep. Do you think in your mind, I've got to be somewhere. Mm-mm. And then do you think, well, I'm just going to not do that. Like, do you, do you wrestle with that? Or do you literally just not even think about the fact that you've got something on your calendar? Sometimes it doesn't even occur to me that I have something on my calendar. And sometimes I literally think that, you know, the only thought that I can muster in my head is, oh, that thing does not need me. They will be better off without me. I will just drag the whole process down. So if it's a, if it's a podcast interview or a DSO connect meeting or something like that, I think to myself, well, they've got it. I am a lump of shit and, you know, they, you know, I can't contribute anything in my current state anyway. So why does it matter if I'm not there or not? Yeah. Yeah. Then you obviously feel bad. And then I obviously feel bad when I do get up. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, like we're all scrambling or whatever or worried. And, right. Um, you know, so, right. and then the other thing is not so much a question, but a, a just a, a comment. 
I never real. I don't just for the record, like I don't suffer from depression or at least I'm not, I don't think mm-hmm. I do. And yeah. I have zero diagnoses about anything. And I kind of like it that way because, mm-hmm. and look, I'm not into therapy. Like I don't go to therapy. Like I don't, my whole thing is if I don't put a label on it, then it's not really a thing. Like as soon as you stick a label, this is just me. I'm not judging any other person, but for me, it's like, as soon as you stick a label on me that says I'm depressed, then I'm going to be depressed or mm-hmm. whatever. So I will say I probably have ADHD, probably, mm-hmm. but nobody diagnosed that. But since 2020, I've had, I've felt anxiety and, and I, I'm sure a lot of people are new to anxiety since the world yeah. upside down. And then I also had that other studio thing happen. Um, mm-hmm. But interestingly, I have anxiety hour like at four in the morning and I, I wake up to pee and then my mind starts going in all the wrong directions. And I worry about like, did I pay that bill or mm-hmm. you know, I got did I forgot to call this person? And then my, and then I have to literally focus on nothing. Like nothing is a thing, Like I have yeah. to like, focus on nothing. And then finally I'll fall back asleep. But then it's like seven 30 or whatever time it is. I start the anxiety again. I'm the opposite of you because I'll say, I just got to get up to make the anxiety stop. Mm -hmm. And my way of coping with that is get up and do something. Even if it's just check my bank account and make sure everything's okay. Or text my kids and make sure everyone's alive. Or, you know, look at my Facebook and get that dopamine hit because somebody liked something I posted last night. You know what I mean? Like just do something. And then, so, so I kind of cope with that in a different way. Yeah. Does that ever like, what if you got up at eight 30 and were like, um, I'm not a therapist. I'm not, I'm not trying to give you advice, but just like, no, that just doesn't even work for you. Right. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it just doesn't really work for me, but I, I will say that, you know, I've been kind of on a, a good, a good streak for the last, um, couple of weeks. And one of the things that really helps honestly is having a dog mm. and, you know, obviously she needs to, to get up and go outside. So I have to get up and let her outside. Um, and then it's like, okay, I am conscious. I am vertical. I am making the decision right now to either stay awake and do stuff or go back to bed. And something else that's really helped me is, and this is so simple and so silly, but having a programmable coffee pot. Mm. So I set it at night and then it goes, it starts making the coffee in the morning on its own. And so when I wake up and let the dog out, the coffee pot is right there in the kitchen next to the back door. So I pour myself a cup and that's like, okay, I am making the conscious decision that I am awake now I am staying up. And then also taking my meds is, is really important for consistency Mm -hmm. in the morning. And like, once I take my meds, I'm like, okay. Although sometimes I wake up and I take my meds and then I go back to sleep. Um, but taking the meds is important for that consistency and for, you know, all the things that the meds do, but it's, it's waking up and taking the meds and going back to sleep is better than not taking the meds at all. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So on a good day, I can get up and, you know, let the dog out and drink my coffee and make my breakfast and, you know, check my emails and do all sorts of things and, you know, work like a normal human being and get stuff done. Um, and on a, on a medium day, I'll say, um, like an in-between day, I might stay in bed until 11 or 12, um, and then sort of get my day going slowly. And I might not get too much accomplished before I go to the studio, but I do get to go, I, I do go to the studio and teach my classes and, and get stuff done once I'm there. So how does it affect I mean, it's, you started off by saying, you know, you've got a lot of flexibility as mm-hmm. a business owner because you can, you can do the books at midnight or you can right. do it at 9am, but that you've got that flexibility, but you don't have flexibility when you're teaching. So right. Do you draw a hard line there? Like, nope, I got to teach at four. So it's my day and I'm going. I try to draw a hard line there and I try to... I try to really focus on the kids and not myself when it comes to my classes. Um, And just remember like specific faces and specific smiles and specific accomplishments. And like, 
I kind of go through this process in like, I start to get bad anxiety around like 2 PM because I know I'm about to get ready to go to work. And I know that I'm, I, I don't know, that transition time for me is, is a lot of anxiety. Um, isn't that interesting? I've been doing this for so long. I've been teaching for forever, you know, like since I was like 15, but so I've been, you, yeah, I it can, still gives me anxiety. I can relate to that. And that's why I don't teach anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, so by the end of this podcast, I'm going to be like, I have these issues, <laughs> I don't no, no, no. but, um, I don't teach anymore because I, this was years ago, but I, I, I never really called it anxiety, but mm-hmm. I didn't like the idea that I was going to have to be in one room for an hour and a half or mm. four hours. And because when I'm at the studio, what I love is I can zoom around to different, you know, classes. I, I might come and sit in on a class for literally one minute and I'm right. like, I'm bored and I'll walk out and the kids are just like, Ms. Robin, you didn't even get to see us do anything. And I'm like, I'm bored. So, but to be in a classroom for that long was making right. me feel like a, like this feeling of dread. And yeah, interesting. In there, I always liked it, especially right. because I was the teacher. So I could say, all right, enough of plies. We're moving on to tendus, but right. um, or we're not going to do that right now. We're going to do something fun or wh- whatever. Like I had the control, but still I couldn't leave the room. Mm-hmm. And when I'm at the studio, sometimes it's just like, you know what? It's six 30. I'm going home. Like, I'm just right. going home, like now. And, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can't do that. So that's interesting because I, I do, I can relate to that feeling of, oh my God, I've got to, I've got to get ready to do something that yeah. I need to focus on. And, and the way, the way that I've dealt with that is by scheduling myself to only teach one class a day. And I know that that is not logistically possible for a lot of studio owners, but for me, it is what has really helped me be able to teach because I know that I can turn it on and be Miss Casey and be bubbly and optimistic and, and put on my performance for my kiddos for, you know, an hour or 45 minutes. And then I can sit down and like decompress and relax or, you know, be at the front desk or go home. Some days when I have front desk coverage, I teach my one class and then I just go home. And that's, that's my day. Like maybe, I may have slept until, you know, 30 minutes before I have to go out the door or whatever. And then I go home after I finish teaching and just kind of relax or maybe get a little bit of work done at home. But um, having that flexibility where I don't need to, I don't need to be at the studio every single day from 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. is really been a game changer for me. So on days that you are on it, Mm-hmm. Do you have like a manic depressive kind of a thing? Yeah. So I do, I do. And I, I, I forgot to say this in the beginning, but I do have, I have been diagnosed with bipolar depression. So it is, um, it's bipolar two, which is not as severe as bipolar one. Bipolar one has like those, um, um, stereotypical highs and lows of like, you know, when you're manic, you're doing really, um, uh, maybe impulsive or dangerous things or spending a lot of money or driving too fast or, um, you know, just being really, really manic. (laughs) And, um, with bipolar two, my, I don't have a full mania. I have what's called hypomania and it might last for as little as a day or as long as like three days, but that's usually as long as a hypomania lasts. And then it's not quite as severe as a full-blown mania. Um, there's no like hallucinations or auditory hallucinations or anything like that involved in a hypomania. Um, so it's not as severe as, as regular bipolar. Um, but yes, yeah, so I, I have these, these little spurts of time where I'm like, oh my God, I'm invincible. I can get all this stuff done and I don't need sleep. So I, you know, this might not be the healthiest way to, to deal with it, but I use that to my advantage when I've had like a lull or a bad couple of days or a bad week or so. And then I get into a hypomanic swing where I'm like, all right, let's go. I can clean my whole house and send out these emails and plan this whole event and lesson plan for the, my next month of classes and it, you know, I can use that mania to my advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I see it. I see you see it. it. You see it. 
because yeah. he's like, I just made um, a lesson plan book for the whole studio and it's laminated and it's bound and I'm going to sell it and offer it for free and everyone can have it. And <laughs> Right. I'm right. Like, oh, exactly. Had a, I guess that's a good day. Is that a considered a good day or is that not a good yeah, day? Yeah. What's weird. Yeah. What's weird with bipolar too, is like sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between hypomania and a good day. And sometimes I second guess myself is like, is this a healthy good day or is this a too far good day? And usually the difference for me is a sleep pattern. Mm -hmm. So if I can, you know, go to sleep at a reasonable hour and wake up at a reasonable hour, then it's just a good day. Mm -hmm. If I am, you know, staying up and working or cleaning or, or what organizing my CDs or whatever until three, four in the morning, then that might, that's indicative of maybe it's more of a hypomania situation. So is the goal to kind of keep it at an even keel? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The goal is to keep it up, to keep it even a manageable, not depression, not mania, but a manageable, like normalcy. And it's really hard to maintain that. Um, you know, the meds definitely help. Um, like I said, consistent sleep schedule really helps. Um, but I think that building in flexibility in my schedule is what really helps the most, because if I'm having a bad day, I can, you know, I can call on one of my staff to sub my class. If it's a really, really bad day, I can, you know, go home after I'm done teaching <clears throat> if that's what I need to do. Um, another thing that I've, that I've incorporated into my life that, um, I need, I need to be more consistent about is, um, scheduling off days mm. in, in advance. So that it's not a last minute, Hey, can you sub this class? It's like, okay, I know that in, in X number of weeks, I have a day off. So I can look to that to be like, okay, I just have to make it through these next mm -hmm. couple of weeks. And then I have a Wednesday off mm -hmm. and I can, you know, catch up on stuff or sleep all day or whatever I need on that day, mm -hmm. but it's not last minute. It's not an emergency and it's scheduled into, you know, I already have a sub scheduled for that class. I have a lesson plan made for them. I have a playlist made for them. It's ready to go. It's packaged. It's, it's, it's mm -hmm. a done deal. Um, and that way it's like a scheduled break in my year, because I find that there's all this excitement in the beginning of the year, you know, oh, classes are starting soon. I'm like really ramped up. I'm super excited. And then, you know, classes begin and the excitement kind of wears off in like a couple of weeks or so. And then it gets hard to trudge through till yeah. Thanksgiving break. So yeah. if I schedule myself even one day off in October, that can really help. Um, and then in the spring semester from January to spring break is so long. It's so long. <laughs> so if I schedule myself a day off in like February, then that can be a game changer for me because I have that one day to look forward to not like work is such a burden because I love my job and I love what I do, but it still does cause me stress and anxiety as any job does. Mm -hmm. So if I have that one day scheduled into my into my year, yeah. you know, in February that I can look forward to it. It really helps with that. I don't know with that cycle. Let me ask you this because mm -hmm. not everyone who's listening is a single person living alone. Right. Right. So do you think, and I know you can't really speak for other people, but I would think that having a husband or a partner or somebody who's like gets up mm -hmm. and is like, Robin, get your ass out of bed. It's like nine o'clock. Like, come on. Like yeah. might make me feel like, all right, I can't just lay here all day. And like, he's out there like taking care of the kids and taking care of the litter box and whatever. And right. asking, like you've been in, living in a situation where like your partner goes off to work at mm -hmm. an early. So doesn't necessarily see that you are still in bed at 11 or maybe right. living alone and you have no one, to, nobody knows, you know, like, mm -hmm. so do you think that having someone there to kind of hold you accountable would help a person in that situation? Oh, absolutely. Children. Like you said, the dog makes yeah. you, like, you've got to get up. Like if you have children, it's yeah. like, I got to get these kids on the bus. Like I can't right. be sending them out with no food and, you know, with dirty faces. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think my life, obviously my life would be much different if I had children and probably much different if I had a partner living with me too. Um, I will say that I, you know, I recently got a roommate back in November and that has been helpful too, because, you know, obviously she's not like knocking on my door, waking me up in the morning, but just hearing her kind of bopping around in, in the house, I'm like, oh yeah, consciousness. (laughs) Maybe I should try that. (laughs) Um, you so that her that you've got the situation, so she doesn't think you're just like a lazy bum or dead. Yeah, yeah, I have, I have. So that you know, that's definitely a thing. Um, but I, I also um, have good friends um, who I could ask, like, "Hey, I'm in a, I'm in a downward lull, and I need to be checked in on every morning." Like, can you be that person for me? Um, and so maybe just like a text message of like, Hey, good morning. I love you. You can get up now. Like today <laughs> you're going to be all right. Like something gentle and encouraging of like, or just a reminder of like, Hey, don't forget to take your meds today. Or, Hey, don't forget your coffee is already brewed. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Just like a gentle reminder from someone who I know, like has my best interests at heart is hey, still on for the podcast at 10. Right. <laughs> Right. Exactly. Something like that, where it's, you know, uh, a gentle reminder from someone that I know is, is looking out for me is definitely helpful for sure. What kind of advice, like if, if we're, if, if someone does not have these diagnoses and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, is start, is listening to you and saying, Oh, I I'm kind of like that sometime. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you think it's important that, I mean, you said earlier, it's important to seek out help. But I think that there's also, you know, we don't want people like rushing to some sort of a conclusion. Um, right. And I also like, I don't know, I, I, I'm I, the way I've always managed my life is I'm not putting a label on it and then it's not really a thing. <laughs> right. Right. And so I think that there might be something. I mean, I know people who throw young people in my life who just throw around this word depression like crazy. And I'm like, are you really depressed or are you a human having different feelings? You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, are are you really depressed? Like, do you have to get on? I don't want I don't like to see people being so quick to medicate. Now, certainly if, if it really is necessary but Mm -hmm. when you go to see a doctor and they say do you have this 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 and this and the doctor's like well I guess you have this take this pill I mean actually years ago um it must have been like 20 2006 or something I went to a doctor because um I don't know what triggered me to go but he said um do you have do you experience this 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 and this and I was like yeah yeah. Well, now that you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, well, I think that you are like a highly functioning adult with ADD or something like that. Mm. I was like, yes, that's me. And he said, I'm going to give you, um, Adderall. And I was like, Ooh, that sounds like a lot. Like I've like never, I don't take any medication at all. And like, I, I didn't even really know what Adderall was, but I was like, that sounds like a big one, like a big gun. And I looked it up and it was, um, it's a narcotic, right? So, I mean, well, it's not quite an, I don't think it's classified as a narcotic, but it is a, it is a pretty, it's a a pretty heavy, you know, it's a pretty serious medication. Yeah. So I said, you know, I don't know if I feel good about that. And he said, um, I said, what are the side effects? And he said, well, some people experience weight loss. And I was like, okay, (laughs) (laughs) I'll try it. Yeah. It does suppress your appetite. And, um, I tried it and I, in my thirties, I was, I, I wouldn't say I'm, str- I was struggling with my weight because I didn't care about my weight. Mm. <laughs> my weight, I was gaining weight and I wasn't really struggling against it. It was just coming on because I was eating the food that I was giving my kids and it was bread. So, um, anyway, blah, blah, blah. I realized like, I liked this feeling of like being up and like, I, I was super hyper-focused and I liked it and I liked it a little bit too much. And it got mm. it was like danger, danger, danger to me because I have an addictive personality and mm-hmm. I was supposed to take one in the morning and then one at noon. And then I discovered that if I drink a lot of iced tea, it like heightens it. So like at five o'clock when I would have to teach or whatever, if I drank like a ginormous unsweetened tea, I would just like heighten it. 
And then I was, and then that started to wane. So I like, I'll just take a third one. Mm. And I was like, oh no, no, this is that addictive personality. And I didn't Mm -hmm. think ahead to the fact that I was going to run out. And the doctor right. wouldn't refill them. Right. So I was like two days into that, me taking an extra one. I was like, this is not good. I need to stop. So I just mm-hmm. stopped. And I literally could not get out of bed for like a week. Oh my gosh. And I, wow. called, I called Kathy at the desk and I was like, um, like literally I can't, I, I, I can't get up. And so everything was under control, whatever. But I called the doctor and he's like, sweetie, you can't just like cut yourself off. Like stop that. taking it. Yeah. And I was like, well, from my experiences with addiction, like that's the only way I know how to do this mm-hmm. and whatever. And after that, I was like, never again. <laughs> right. And I'm right. not saying that that's the right way. I mean, that was just my kind of bad experience with the whole, like quick to prescribe, like just mm-hmm. a quick to prescribe, like the big guns. And so for me, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to have to figure out other ways to manage my short attention span yeah. and um, whatever. But I know I'm, I'm certainly not saying that that's the right way for everyone. And, and I, I probably didn't need to be medicated, but right. the people who really benefit from that. I will say that um, being medicated and I am on Adderall. So being medicated for my ADHD has been a total game changer and it's actually helped a lot with my depression and anxiety because I think so much of my self-worth and my, um, self-esteem or my, or whatever is, is tied up in my productivity. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, again, there's that stigma against laziness and like, you know, if you stay in bed too late, you're like, Oh, I'm a lazy piece of shit, you know, like all of those kinds of thoughts, but with the, with taking the Adderall, um, my executive dysfunction kind of goes away. So I'm able to actually, sorry, my cat is scratching at the litter box. <laughs> Henry, are you done? No, that's how done. we roll around here. Yeah, apparently so. All right, Henry, thank you for that. <laughs> um, so, so without the Adderall, I will, you know, I could, I could make a to-do list, but then never actually accomplish anything on the list because it's so overwhelming and I don't know where to start. Or for me, it's a lot of, um, I don't know the optimal order to do things in. I can't prioritize. I can't manage my time. Well, I can't, you know, I have a really hard time with, um, just task management. And so I will stare at my to-do list all day and not get anything done. And, or, you know, I'll get like one or two things done, but it's not the most important thing. Or I'll get like a whole project done, but it wasn't even on my list. It doesn't even need to be done until like, you know, several months later. And I, I can't focus on like the thing that needs the most attention right now. Um, but with being medicated, I'm able to just pick a task and do it. And it doesn't have to be in the, in the optimal order. It doesn't have to be, you know, like I can actually manage my time better. I can stay on task. I can stay focused. And that has helped my depression and anxiety because when I go to bed at night is when my anxiety is the worst, um, that, and like the 2 PM before classes start. Um, so when I am medicated, I can make my lesson plans ahead of time. And then I have less anxiety about teaching. I can work on my, I can create my choreography ahead of time. And I have less anxiety about teaching. I can, you know, answer emails in a timely manner. And then I have less anxiety at night when I go to bed and I'm not thinking about, Oh my God, I didn't answer those emails. You know what I mean? So it's definitely helped overall. Um, but back to your question about like, if someone is listening to this and says, Oh my gosh, I think, you know, maybe I struggle with those things too. Um, you know, talk, just talk to your doctor, go, go to your, go to your regular physician. Or if you have, um, uh, a therapist already, see if they can recommend the psychiatrist to you and talk. If you have concerns about medicating, talk to them about that as well and talk to them about how it's impacting your life. That's the most important thing for them to understand. I think is like, you know, here's my daily schedule and here's how I, can or cannot manage that, you know, here's, um, you know, like sleeping till 6 PM. That's obviously not, not a good thing. So, you know, talking to my psychiatrist, it's like, maybe we need to adjust some meds for that. Um, but again, it's like, you are worthy of a good and fulfilling and happy life and you deserve 
if, you know, if it's really impacting your life a lot, you deserve that treatment. You deserve that help. So I definitely encourage you to, to seek it out. Wow. Well, thanks for being so like vulnerable and like exposing your, your inner day. (laughs) Yeah. It's, I think I'm, I'm passionate about, um, reducing or hopefully ending the stigma against mental health. And, um, if you're friends with me on Facebook, you may have seen that lately I've been posting my, um, depression pro tips. (laughs) Um, and if you think that's something that might help you feel free to reach out to me and, and request a request my friendship. Um, but I, you know, I've been dealing with this for so long and it's such a, it's such a long process to realize you need help, seek out the help, find a good treatment team, find the, you know, get on medication, adjust your medication, adjust your medication again, adjust your medication again, and then finally maybe find some sort of treatment regimen that works for you and, and then feeling somewhat normal. And I think it's just an ongoing process, especially because body chemistry changes as we age. So, you know, what works for you when you're 23 probably won't work for you when you're 33 or 43. So it's it's just such a a difficult and ongoing process, but it is worth it. um, And you deserve it. It sounds like it's also important to have people around you who will a understand what you're going through mm-hmm. and B um, be there for you when you need them to kind of prop you up, mm-hmm. but also to not enable you to just wallow in it. Right. Yeah. And that's a hard, that's kind of a hard balance too. Yeah. It's like, I, I mean, with my, with my ex partner, um, you know, he would get really frustrated with me when I would sleep in, especially on the weekends, because he wanted to get up and go out and do things. And I would, you know, just be like a lump in bed and that was frustrating for him. And so he would approach it from that point of view where he's like, God, like just very frustrated and upset about it when what I needed was some accountability. Yes. But also some grace and some kindness. And he couldn't give that to me. Um, and so I think, you know, if you are listening to this and this sounds like a person in your life, but not yourself, like how can you approach them with grace and kindness and support rather than like frustration and anger? Um, yeah, yeah. because that can cycle back through your head. Like Mm -hmm. I am when you're having anxiety and you're criticizing yourself, it's like, oh, and my partner said I'm a lazy, you know, lump of right. whatever. It's like, well, that's not helping. Exactly. Motivating right. you to get up in a different way, you know, could actually, you know, like, come on, Casey, we're going to go on a hike or. Yeah. Or just a simple thing of like, hey, I'm bringing you coffee in bed. Mm-hmm. You know, that like that can really help. Like, mm-hmm. like, Hey, you just sit up and open your eyes and here's mm-hmm. a cup of coffee. Like, ah, okay. Thank you. That's, that is a doable task. Yeah. You know, like the idea of getting up and getting dressed and, and eating something and, and figuring out where we're going on a hike and then getting in, packing up our backpacks and yeah. getting in the car. And it, like, that feels like too much, but one step at a time, one tiny little itty bitty step at a time is way more manageable. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that was a lot for an topic. Like, which we talked about today. <laughs> I want to thank one of our members for suggesting this as a topic. Um, one of our members messaged me and said, "Like, hey, I, you know, I've been seeing your your depression pro tips that you've been posting. This would be a really great um, podcast topic because so many people struggle with this, and I think you know it would be good to share to share your expertise as a mental health patient." <laughs> I'm an expert depressed person. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> okay, well, thank you, Casey, for sharing so much. That was really wonderful. I'm hoping that it will ring true or, or um, help some of, someone in our listening audience to yeah. you know, maybe make a change or, or make a step in, in a direction that will help them. I hope so too. And if you are looking for a therapist or psychiatrist, um, in your area, I recommend heading over to psychologytoday.com. They've got a database of 
basically all the mental health practitioners everywhere for you to look through. Um, and also like finding a good therapist, finding a good psychiatrist is kind of like dating where the first person you see might not be the best match for you. And again, this goes back to, it's a long, arduous, tedious, and monotonous process to get well. But, um, you know, if you don't vibe with the person that you're talking to, it's not going to be helpful. So, um, you know, don't feel bad about, about saying, you know what, I think I've gotten everything that I could out of this, out of, you know, this, um, therapist or psychiatrist or whatever, I'm going to move on. Thank you for, thank you for your help. Um, but I'm moving on and, you know, therapists understand that and they, you know, they won't feel bad about it. They won't, they won't get their feelings hurt. It's just part of the part of the job. So just, you know, do what you need to do to find the right person for you. Yeah. 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 So you want to end on a heart happy moment? Oh yeah. Let's end on a heart happy moment. What was your heart happy moment, Robin? Well, I kind of talked about Genevieve already Mm -hmm. to FaceTime her. Um, I would say that um, my heart happy moment this week was getting some feedback about the studio that just, we did our ballerina visits and my teachers have been sending me pictures and I've been posting them um, for our families and also for our community to see. And I've just been getting some really positive feedback, just like, you know, as studio owners, you get like one little tidbit. It could be just a text or something of gratitude. And, you know, maybe a, a someone in the community or in your EMS, in your family, your studio family that lets you know how important your studio has been to them. And those little things go a long way. Mm-hmm. And I just, I feel like I've just been tr- hearing little, little trickles here and there more and more this year in 2022 about people really appreciating what we're doing at the studio. Um, I think somebody, somebody texted me and said, thank you for being a rock in our community. And that was enormous because you know, we've been kind of fighting against the masks in the schools and we've been really kind of digging our heels in and, and all that, but just have that reassurance and that pat on the back. And mm-hmm. because the people who disagree with you are always going to be loudest. Right. And when you do hear through that noise, the people who are behind you and who are cheering you on, that makes it, it reminds you that you're doing the right thing for sure. Yeah. For those people. So yeah. that was, that was my heart happy moment. Just, you know, hearing those little pats on the back. Nice. That's awesome. Mine is very similar, but also kind of opposite. I, um, <laughs> we, we were scheduled to go to a convention this month. Um, but after communicating with the convention director and finding out that they were going to be mask optional, we decided not to go. Um, and so I emailed my parents and my company members to let them know, like, Hey, we, you know, I don't feel comfortable going, I don't feel comfortable taking my students somewhere where there's going to be a lot of unmasked people with, you know, cases as high as they are in our area right now. Um, so we're going to, we're going to skip this one and we'll, you know, hopefully be able to go back next year. And I'm working on planning something else that will make up for this. Um, you know, thank you for your patience and understanding. Um, and I had a bunch of my company parents email me and say, you know, like, thank you so much for taking my child's health so seriously. I really appreciate, you know, how diligent that you've been throughout all of this. And, and, um, you know, just having that feedback was really helpful and reassuring that I made the right choice for my people, you know? So yeah, that was good. That, those two stories Mm -hmm. just underline the fact that there are different studios for different people yep. and as painful as it was for me to lose a percentage of my people mm-hmm. over my COVID policies or lack thereof, um, we, I have the right people with me now and right. you have the right people with you now. And yep. so we can lead our people and create an environment that is conducive to the people that we have. And mm-hmm. I'm also grateful in reflecting. And I, I thought about this when we first got to Florida, because 
we were here in, um, you know, January through, we were in here March of 2020. And I have this vivid memory of having to pack this up and leave and shut my studio down. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then 2021, of course, you know, the whole election, it was just like dark last, um, winter. And I just remember like, oh, I was sitting in that chair talking to someone about having to cancel this event or like all these memories of like bad things that I was talking on the phone to parents about like issues that like all over this place. And I want to get that bad juju out. But um, Mm -hmm. the point was, what was my point? Different studios for different people. My, my point was that, um, this year I've, I've, I'm getting much less resistance from my community, my studio community, because they all agree with the direction we're going. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you try to stay in the middle and you try right. to accommodate all people, like, it's not going to work. Well, she wants to wear a mask and she doesn't want to wear a mask. So, you know, when I'm near her, I'll wear it. And when I'm near her, I won't wear it. And we're just going to be kind of like all over the place trying to appease everyone. You're always going to get an email every night that says someone's not happy. Yep. So you might as well just rip the darn bandaid off and accommodate one group of people that share your vision. Exactly. Yes. And I, and I feel grateful that I'm through those woods of trying mm-hmm. to be on both sides. And now it's like, all right, I have less people, but these are my people. Right. And I yeah. feel that way about friends too. Um, not you, like you and I can respect each other and yeah. we just don't look at each other's Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> But like, I haven't, like, we have not let go of each other as valuable friends. Yeah. Um, But there are a lot of people that I've had to let go of just because I can't have you just like screaming at me Mm -hmm. that my way is, is wrong just because your way is different. Like, just because you're doing it one way and I'm doing a different way doesn't mean like to each his own, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, that was a deep (sighs) one. I wasn't all really right. expecting all that, but okay. So um, <laughs> have a great day, Miss Casey. I hope it's not too cold there in Richmond. Oh, thanks. We got a little bit of snow last night. So it's kind of, it's kind of nice out now. It's a little bit warmer, but there's some snow on the ground. It's really pretty. All right. Well, so you I'm have to take the dog day. for a walk. All right. You too. I hope you're having a productive day. Thanks. Me too. All right. Thanks, Robin. Thanks everybody for listening. Um, Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Listen next week. We'll be back with another episode of the DSO Connect podcast. Bye. Bye.